The reading today is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32. The parable of the two sons. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Amen. Have you ever said something when you know you really mean the opposite? Or you hear somebody say something to you and you think, not sure that's what you really mean. Do you know, we often fall into that. Not very good sometimes at saying exactly what we mean. We might try and skirt around the issue to avoid offending people. And then, of course, the way in which we say something can also be very telling as to what we actually mean. So some examples that might mean something else. It doesn't really matter which could mean, actually, nothing has ever mattered more to me, and I will never forget this. And I'm sure perhaps husbands, you know, when you ask your wife what they want for birthday and Christmas, and they say, oh, nothing really. So you don't give them anything, and then you get into trouble afterwards, don't you? Um, Or we could have, well, each to their own, I suppose. Kind of means, well, you're really wrong. (laughs) With all due respect, you haven't the slightest idea of what you're talking about. You've got a wee bit of the sun. You really look like a lobster. Oh, feel free to pop round any time. Please don't bother me. I will try and come to your party. Actually, wild horses wouldn't drag me there. And we can have real trouble with yes and no. How many times have you said yes to something when really you're thinking no? Sometimes we might try and stall for time. When the answer should be yes, it feels like too big a commitment. You might say, oh, well, I'll do my best. When all the time you really know you aren't going to try your best, you're just going to hope that it'll go away and forget about it. And then, of course, when someone asks you, and how are you? And you say, fine. (laughs) And we all know you're not fine. Or when asked, are you free on such and such a date? Or do you want to come to this? You might say, well, I'll get back to you. I'll check my diary. And when you go home, you never actually check your diary. And then, of course, did you like that? And you say, yes. And thinking, no. We don't want to hurt other people's feelings. So we might say we'll do something, and with no intention of doing it. Our actions and our responses don't always line up with what we're really feeling, or what we intend to do, or want to do, or say. And the passage from Matthew this morning really illustrates that. We have the parable about the two sons who don't say what they really want to do. They seem to have difficulty saying either yes or no. So the father asks, will you go into the vineyard? Oh, yes, I'll do that. Thinking, no, no way. And one says, absolutely not, when he he changes his mind and says yes. And I'm sure those of you with children or teenagers could really relate to what Elaine was saying earlier. 
When asked to tidy their rooms, one child just says, well, I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. I'm playing my games. I'm far too busy in the PlayStation. But then later, they come back down to you and say, I tidied my room, Mum or Dad. And then the other child says, of course I'll go and do it right now. And he comes back later and go, oh no, I haven't done it yet. We all know people like that. And if we've got children, we all know that's what happens. And this is a simple, it seems a simple enough parable. But we'll have a closer look at it. Now this parable only appears in Matthew's Gospel. And it comes directly after the authority of Jesus is being questioned by the religious leaders. And it's the first of three parables in which Jesus directly rebukes the Jewish leaders. The two sons, and then the parable of the tenants, and the parable of the wedding banquet. They all have something to say about the Jewish leaders of the day and about how people respond to the gospel message. If you've got time this week, read through all three of them. The Jewish leaders don't like what they hear. And this adds up to the conflict that they are having with Jesus, which eventually leads to the events of Good Friday with Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. So Jesus, in this passage, as he often does, starts with a question. What do you think? He's wanting the people who are listening to him to use their minds and to think about what he's actually saying. What are they hearing when the parable is told? Do they just listen on the surface? Or are they listening deeper to what is actually being said? And you know, Jesus still asks us that question. Every time we open our Bibles, every time we come and listen to a talk or a service, what do you think? Are you thinking deeply about what's being said, or are they only listening on the surface? And then Jesus goes on to tell them the story of the two sons. The one who said no, but then changed his mind, and the other who said yes and didn't go. Now, the verses tell us that the first son changed his mind, but it doesn't say that about the second. So I think from that, we are to assume that the second son never really had any intention of going. He just said yes to try and please the father, to sound good. He never really meant yes. Whereas the first son said no and changed his mind. So then Jesus asks another question. Which of the two did what his father wanted? Well, the leaders answered the first son, which was correct. The first son realized he was wrong and that he should do what his father wanted him. So he repented, which is a big word for that. He turned around. He changed his mind. He went to the vineyard to work in it. And then Jesus relates these two sons to those people that are around him. The first son is like the tax collectors and the prostitutes who believed the message that the prophet John had brought them. John told them that, you know, the kingdom of God is coming, somebody is coming, I'm just preparing the way. They came to know the way of righteousness. They came to know that they were sinful people and they were doing wrong. And they turned from their sin They turned from their bad ways, and they would enter the kingdom of God. 
The second son is like the religious leaders who appear to say yes to God. They look as though they're doing all the right things, but they really aren't. They are only paying lip service to what God wants. They don't really mean that yes. Their actions do not line up with their words. Their words say yes, but their actions say no. So Jesus then tells them that those who are like the first son, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, will get into kingdom before the religious leaders. Well, they didn't like that. They found that really offensive because the tax collectors and the prostitutes were considered the lowest of the low. If you had asked any of the religious leaders of the day, will the tax collectors and the prostitutes enter the kingdom of God? Their answer would have been a resounding, oh no, absolutely not. They were the least likely candidates to be considered for God's kingdom. And if you had asked them, will you enter the kingdom of God? They would have answered, well, of course we will. Do you know, we're the religious leaders. Of course we'll get, we'll get in. Well, do you know, Jesus just turns that whole thinking upside down. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are getting into the kingdom because they changed their minds, they changed their actions, they repented of their sins, and they believed. They had been living in disobedience to God's commands, but now they believed and turned from their sins. John had baptized them in preparation for the coming Messiah. So what can we learn from this parable for our lives today? Well, first we learn what God wants from us. God is like the Father asking the sons to do something. God wants us to believe and to respond to the gospel message, to respond to the message that God loves us, that Jesus died for us on the cross, and that our sins are forgiven. Quite a simple message, really. We know we're doing wrong. We know we've disobeyed God. Jesus died on the cross, that we do not have to carry that with us for the rest of our lives. And you know, you can never be too sinful to enter the kingdom. You might think you've messed up too much, or you've done really, really bad things, and you think, well, God won't have anything to do with me. You might think you've failed God so many times. You've said yes, but then, you know, your actions don't, don't work out. You might think you are the worst of the worst. Well, do you know, Jesus came for you. There is nobody that Jesus didn't come for. Paul says in 1 Timothy, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, you know, you might think you're the worst. So did Paul. It's a kind of a common human thing to think, oh, you know, there's nobody I'm really the worst, nobody worse than me. But Paul came to know Jesus. Before Paul came to know Jesus, yes, he persecuted the Christians. He wasn't a particularly nice guy. But once he met Jesus, his life changed completely. And we know that Paul went on to bring many other people to Jesus. He preached many times the Acts and the letters full of Paul. Jesus can change the life of anybody. And Jesus will never drive away 
anyone who comes to him. So as we respond to this message, we turn from going our own way. We start to obey God. Our initial no becomes a yes. A yes to God. A yes to Jesus. A yes to obedience. And God is looking for this change in our lives. This change that leads to obedience. This change that leads to the kingdom. So that's what God wants from us. For us to change our no to a yes. To say yes to God. And then we learn that our words and our actions should be the same. Once you become a Christian, once you've said yes to God, you've made a commitment to him. Well, you know we need to follow through on that commitment. We can't say yes while still living as if we had said no. Our yes needs to mean yes. Our actions need to line up with that yes. We need to follow through on it. Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So here Jesus is talking about people who have called him Lord, yet they don't follow through on that. They don't do God's will. Like the second son, who was very polite, remember, he called his father, sir, but he didn't follow it through. And then James tells us in chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If any of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith if not accompanied by action. The faith comes first and then the action. We're not saying the action brings you to faith, but the faith and the action. So you need to make sure that your actions are the same as our words. We need to be out there working in the vineyard, being in the world, sharing God's love, doing God's will, using the gifts that he has given us and following him. And I'm sure those of you that are there yesterday at the missional listening day perhaps caught a glimpse of that as well. It's no good us sitting here in our nice buildings. We have to go out there into the world. Our yes needs to be yes out there. We need to follow through. We shouldn't be like the second son and say, yeah, that's okay, but I'm not doing it. We need to say yes and mean yes. And then lastly, we have to be careful not to become self-righteous like the religious leaders of the day. We're not to think that, well, we don't need to repent. We don't need to say sorry or to think we've never done anything wrong or that we're okay. Because, you know, we come to church every week. We give our offerings. Of course we're going to enter the kingdom. And we are warned in First Corinthians. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you think you're getting into that way, 
stop, check, and turn around again. Don't become like the religious leaders. Don't be blind to your own faults or think you're above such things, for we all still have faults. We all still need to be checking in that we're doing okay, that we are following God's will. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, are there any areas of our life that we're still holding back from God, just this little bit? You can have that bit, God, but you're not having this bit. Are there areas of our life that we haven't quite let God into yet? Then we need to say yes to God in those areas as well. Because God needs to come into our whole life. Our yes needs to be a yes for our whole life. So don't keep anything back from God. Let him into your life. Listen to him. Hear his wonderful message for you to follow him always. Let your yes be a yes. So the question for you to reflect on deeply this morning is, which son are you? Do your actions follow your words? Or do they sometimes let us down? Which son are you? Let's pray. Heavenly and loving Father, you have given us so much through your Son. Help us to hear your word, Lord. May it sink deeply into our hearts. And as we say yes to you, Lord, may our yes be a yes in our whole lives, in every every part of us, in everything that we do. May our yes be a yes for you. So help us, Lord, that having once said yes to you, that our actions follow this through. Help us to go out into the world, to those around us, to show your love, not just talk about it, but to show your love in practical ways. So we ask for your guidance on an individual level, but also at a church level and at a grouping level, Lord that you would show us where you are working, that you would show us where we can take our yes out into the world. So hear us, Lord, as just in this silence, we bring our yes to you. Hear all these prayers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.